This show is made possible entirely by listeners just like you. For all the ways you can help, check out the support box at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Daily Show, The Young Turks, The Colbert Report, The Jimmy Dore Show, The Progressive, Slate.com, and The Onion Radio News with a bonus video clip for our iPhone app users from The Colbert Report. all good things must come to an end like the oil spill in the gulf any of you who are watching this show for information on it get ready to tivo (laughs) they have it no it's true just in case i don't know if you are or not they finally have the spill under the control of a containment cap i'm sorry what was that the news we just got a short time ago is that the containment cap is now off take a look at that picture that Oil is now leaking into the Gulf with nothing stopping it once again. (laughs) Apparently a robot arm at the bottom of the sea closed one of the containment cap's vents, necessitating the temporary removal of the cap. Man, I'd like to get a word with those BP guys. Also, I'd love to talk to that robot that knocked the tap off that, uh, uh, the top off the cap that was in the bottom of the Gulf yesterday. What was that robot thinking? Yeah, or, you know, the BP guys or the robot. (laughs) Kill me. Robots don't think. (laughs) They're machines. They don't cry. They don't fall in love. They can't be your girlfriend. (laughs) F***ing robots. (laughs) It's like talking to your toaster. This English muffin is burnt! Why, toaster, why? (laughs) Why have you done this to my breakfast? Fox and Friends, I don't want to have to do this every day. Uh, when Shep Smith gets angry, uh, we get amused. Yeah, it's always fun for everybody. And he's usually on the right side of things. So now he's going to take on Judge Napolitano on Fox News over the BP oil spill. Clip number three. We have all grown too accustomed to relying on the federal government to make so many decisions that uh, in, in years past were made by private industry where their own money was at risk. So the government doesn't lose anything if it bungles this. The oil companies have no choice, Shep, but to rely on what the government tells them. The permitting process is not like getting a permit to to build an addition on your house. It takes years to comply with. And in order to comply with it, you have to show that you recognize the government's statistics and you comply with them. So if the government makes a mistake and you rely on it, you make a mistake. The government relied in 2008 and 9 on computer models that were created in 2004. And those computer models were either outdated or erroneous. So on the basis of this erroneous information, the government says, don't dig in 500 feet where Governor Jindal says you can dig, where you want to dig, where we know you can easily control a spill. Dig in 5,000 feet where our environmentalist folks think you should dig. I'm getting kind of grossed out, Judge. You're blaming the government for this? I'm blaming the government for this. Judge. I'm not blaming the government for the BP had more safety violations than all of the other oil companies in the country combined times 10. They cut corners at every, they cut corners everywhere. The nightmare well. The list of BP is this long. And then they stand in front of us, call us litigious and act as if we've done something bad, that horrible man. And now you're going to turn around and blame the government for these bumbling, fumbling, crazy people? You can sue BP, and rightly so, for every mistake they've made and they will pay for every mistake they've made you can't sue the government when it gives out erroneous information and oil companies rely on it why because congress has insulated the bureaucrats that work for the federal government 
from liability and lawsuit. So if the government gives out bad statistics and an oil company relies on it and something goes wrong, the oil company gets sued, not the government and not the bureaucrats that work for the government. How does it feel to be standing up for BP? I am not standing up for BP. You're standing I'm standing against the government. I'm for standing, BP. I mean, I know you're all anti-government. I'm standing for the rule of law, and the rule of law should be that the government should not tell everybody how to run their business when the government is incompetent to tell them how to do so. And this is a perfect example of it. The decision as to where to drill should be made by those who would risk money and lose money if the drill went wrong, not by bureaucrats who didn't know what they were doing. So we need fewer regulations, not more, on the oil industry. A lot of people in down Katrina, there, a lot the, of hurt. In Katrina, the locals were incompetent to clean up. Yeah, here everybody the was. It wasn't just the locals. Correct. Here the locals are competent to clean up, and the feds won't let them do so. Yeah, that was the problem. The government was too lax, and BP said, no, I want to do more safety. Please, please, let me spend more money to do more safety. And the government wouldn't allow them. And the environmentalists said, don't drill at 500 feet. Drill at 5,000 feet. Which environmentalists say that? Really? Name one. Give me one quote, Judge Napolitano, of an environmentalist saying, no, I want you to dig deeper, not shallower. Totally made up. Doesn't exist. It's a nonsense talking point created by Rush Limbaugh and then he's trying to throw it out there and if if the government had just let BP take all the precautions they wanted to take they wouldn't have had safety violations that are equivalent to as Shep said all the other companies combined times ten okay oh come on who are you kidding man and apparently one of the guys you're not kidding is Shep Smith <laughs> who doesn't love it when Shep says I'm getting kinda of grossed out and then refers to BP's CEOs that horrible man. <laughs> I love his adjectives. So, um, look, he, he took up the task for it, and, uh, and I like it. Look, it some and then, of course, at the end, Napolitano on Katrina, too, takes a little shot. Says, oh, yeah, the locals screwed that up. You know, if it was up <laughs> to, to Bush, he'd have handled it just right. But those damn locals. And here, apparently, the locals want to fix it, and somehow they're going to, but Obama's not letting them? In the middle, Napolitano actually had a decent point about how there shouldn't have been a $75 million cap in the first place. Like, BP has a cap of damages of $75 million by the law. Now, that's government doing the wrong thing. Okay, I'm with you, Judge Napolitano. So we want to remove that cap and make it $10 billion. That's what the Democrats are in favor of right now. Guess who's against it? You guessed it, Judge Napolitano. So, what happened there? Oh, no, 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 BP, trust them. They would have done it right in the first place. And... You know, and I'm sure they'll pay whatever they need to pay eventually voluntarily. Yeah, that's usually how it works out. They have no shame. And I love that Shep called them out on it. And I'll tell you something else. Shep being on Fox News is very important because he's the only guy on there serving that audience, which is does not get anything else, making them go, huh, wait a minute, Shep does have a good point. Wait, didn't, didn't BP do this, not the government? So anybody injecting a little bit of Reality into the Fox News audience is doing everybody a great favor. Nation, it's late, and I know a lot of you are going to be sleeping soon, but don't worry. There's no monster under your bed. The monster is your bed. This is the threat down. <laughs> Folks, regular viewers will know that last month I floated my bold theory about just who was really behind that oil leak in the Gulf. Jim? Someone who had something to gain from oil-soaked wildlife. I got troubles all the night day. Of course! <laughs> Dawn dishwashing liquid. Which brings me to threat number three. 
Dawn dishwashing detergents. Because now I've got confirmation that Dawn is responsible. NPR recently took a break from seeking out the nation's most inaccessible jazz <laughs> to cover this story. What the company doesn't advertise, and these days is reluctant to admit, is that the grease-cutting part of the potion is made of petroleum. In fact, Dawn is almost one-seventh petroleum. So for every seven gallons they use to clean up a bird, they have to use another gallon just to clean up the Dawn. <laughs> so it's clear, folks, Dawn caused the oil spill so that animal rescuers would buy Dawn. So they have to make more Dawn so they'd have to find more oil, which would inevitably lead to another oil spill. It's the worst cleaning product scandal since Mr. Clean was caught giving the brawny guy a spick and span. It, it was fantastic. Congressional hearings, they bring Tony Hayward, the CEO of uh, BP, in front of them. Uh, he says he is deeply sorry. Well, that should cover it. And that, uh, that he was simply not involved in the decision-making process. Poor guy's only the CEO. I mean, it's not like he'd be in a position to make decisions. My, my understanding was if you're at the top, I, I think a former president might have said this, that your job is, uh, like, if, if your job had a title, it'd be a decision-maker. Okay, but no, uh, Tony Hayward says, when asked, uh, I'm not a cement engineer, he said that in response, to, in response to a question. And then when they asked him, hey, what went wrong here? He said, I'm not a drilling engineer. Damn it, Jim, I'm a CEO, I'm not a drilling engineer. Damn it, Jim, I'm a CEO, not a cement engineer. One last one. And they said, wait a minute, how about all the oil plumes? Are you going to tell us whether that's really there or not, or are you going to keep evading on that? And he says, damn it, Jim, I'm a CEO. I'm not an ocean oceanographer. <laughs> Oceanic. I can't do it. Scientist. <laughs> okay. Well, we had fun. <laughs> if the job description were what do you do, it's decision maker. Okay, and definitely not that word, scientist. Okay, so he said, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Now, of course, if I'm a congressman and I'm talking to this guy, I say, oh, that's interesting. Well, at least you have to know, you're this here, who's in charge of making the decisions on safety, right? So, for example, this is very, very important. Now, earlier we talked about a $500,000 valve that we think could have prevented this, right? But it turns out there's a separate drill that they could have gone with entirely that would have cost them an extra 7 to $10 million, but they think would have been far, far safer, okay? So... That seven to ten million dollars that they wanted to skimp on wind up causing this disaster, getting eleven people killed, and of course wind up costing them possibly up to twenty billion dollars. That's short-term greed for you, okay? So I would ask him, who made that decision? Now don't tell me you're not a drilling engineer or you're not a scientist, you're not this, but you gotta know who made it, right? I want him to come in and I want him to sit next to you. And I want him to explain why he made that decision, and if he brought it up to you or not, or if he was the sole person <laughs> responsible for that decision. Let's hear him out, okay? No, but they're going to play hot potato. Oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. No, I don't make decisions. I'm mid-level. No, he's the big guy. Oh, I, I don't know anything about these decisions. When they asked him, they said, hey, you're telling me they got 30,000 pages of documents. And Henry Waxman asked him, uh, in not a single email or document that you paid even the slightest attention to the dangers of this well. When he gets that question, he says, well, I've got hundreds of wells all over the world. What am I going to do? And then the congressman would say, exactly. That's what scares us. You're telling me you got all these wells. Some of them are offshore. And a lot of them have safety violations I'm about to tell you about. And 
you don't make the decisions on any of them, and you don't know what's happening in any of them, that doesn't really give us a lot of confidence. So uh, how about those accidents, right? Well, let's go to those. Um, well, over the last five years, 26 people have died, and 700 have been injured in BP accidents. While their CEO goes, <laughs> wasn't me. I mean, those suckers died. I mean, workers died. And we put safety first, safety first. Now, he keeps saying that, right? He says, I want, it, well, as soon as I came in, he said, no seven. I told him, I want to focus on safety like a laser beam. And then they say, okay, great. So what did you do? Oh, I don't know. I didn't do a damn thing. I mean, I don't know. I didn't make any decisions. So which one was it? Did you focus like a laser beam? Or you didn't do anything? You never made a single decision about safety. Which one? Damn it, Jim, I'm a CEO, not a drilling engineer. Okay, so then, well, let's compare them. Finally, let's compare BP versus the other companies that also do offshore drilling, right? Now, this is a stunning number. BP has had 760 safety violations in the past five years. They've paid $373 million in fines. They think, nah, it's going to cost us more to actually do safe drilling than paying the fines, so they pay the fines instead. But here's the part I'm shocked about. Sunoco and ConocoPhillips, in the same time period, have only had eight safety violations. And are you ready for this? In that same time period, ExxonMobil has only had one. ExxonMobil only had one, and you had 760 safety violations? You see what's happening here? It's not that, oh, look, they're all doing this, et cetera. No, BP is worse. BP is the worst of the worst. And then their CEO comes in and pretends he doesn't know a thing about what's going on. Oh, by the way, he doesn't know anything, but of course, in 2009, he collected $4.7 million. What did he get that money for? If he doesn't know a damn thing that's going on in his company, how, did he earn that money? Of course he did, because he made more and more profits. Eh, some people died, he got a disaster. It's not their problem. Well, now it's their problem. Now they're on the hook for $20 billion. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Or drill it. Or do whatever you do with it. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. You can support this podcast at no additional cost yourself when you shop at Amazon through a special widget posted at bestoftheleft.com. You can use the widget to search for what you're looking for or simply click through and shop the site normally. Better yet, click through on the widget once and bookmark that page to use every single time you shop. By doing this, Amazon will donate around 7 or 8% of the cost of your order to support this show without adding a dime to your bill. It's very little effort on your part, but can make a huge difference to support the show. Check out the widget on the right side of bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. So did you hear that BP spent another $50 million? No, not on trying to put people's lives back together or even clean up the oil. Just $50 million on trying to let you know what good guys they are, even though they're ruining everything. That's right, on commercials, $50 million on commercials alone. You know, if you're going to spend that kind of money, why not just do what Hollywood does? Hire James Cameron, use CGI to get rid of all the oil in your future commercials. Just avatar the tar. Their current commercial is like a how-to video on trying desperately to make things right. Follow these simple steps, and in no time, you'll trick the viewing public into pseudo-sympathy for your corporation. Step one, put non-white person on screen, because white people are the man. Step two, play overly dramatic piano or guitar music. Step three, show freeze frame of bad guys shaking hands and making eye contact with victims. This shows you are trying to make things right in between fingering your secretary and lying. Well, I've talked enough about it. If you haven't seen the commercial, here it is. They're fishermen, they're shrimpers, they're laborers, they're deckhands, they're people who work in restaurants. These are the people of the Gulf Coast who need our help. I'm Daryl Willis. I oversee BP's claims process on the Gulf Coast. BP has got to make things right, and that's why we're here. Part of that responsibility is letting you know what we're doing to make it right. We're replacing the lost income for fishermen, small businessmen, and others who aren't able to work until the spill is cleaned up. Our claims line is open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. People can call or go online. 
and 900 people are here to help them file their claims and get their checks. Working with the government, we're already paying tens of thousands of claims. We've agreed to create a $20 billion claims fund, administered independently, and it's at no cost to taxpayers. I was born and raised in Louisiana. I volunteered for this assignment because this is my home. I'll be here in the Gulf as long as it takes to make this right. If you ever find yourself wondering why we live in such a cynical age, well, there you go. This is the kind of thing that has just about ruined sincerity for everybody. Because here's the thing, people. The ad industry has been trying to do this kind of stuff for years. You know, talking to us in calm, understanding tones that make us feel like they are part of the painful human experience. And it always turned out to be a lie. They said it was a very special episode of Punky Brewster, but it wasn't. They told us we would bond with our parents over General Foods International Coffees, but we didn't. They told us Coke would make people from every race sing together on one mountaintop, but I defy you to get three races of people on a mountaintop with all the free Coke in the world, let alone get them to sing. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago that BP was trying to make us think they were the most environmentally sensitive oil company in the world when they changed their logo to the green lotus flower thing back in 2007. So you'll forgive me, my well-earned cynicism, when I say, are you f***ing kidding me? I know you can't see the ad that I'm watching, but it's pretty much the Hummel figure of advertising. To start with, I'm pretty sure Daryl Willis was cast in his role through an extensive and exhaustive talent search. And they found the right guy, black, balding, slightly overweight, so he feels like a working class resident of the Gulf, but handsome, articulate, and bespeckled. So he engenders intelligence, leadership, and trust. Then they put him in an orange polo shirt. Yeah, the polo shirt. The shirt of the working man, but with the collar, so you know this guy went to college. He's God. And perfect, I tell you. Who would be the perfect opposite of Tony Hayward? Hey, you know those evil, wealthy, aloof white guys we have run this company to the point they ruin both the ecosystem and the economy? Yeah, well, when there's a real problem, those guys are out. And we get real problem solvers like Daryl. And did you notice the way he referred to BP like he's not even part of BP? BP has got to make things right. I'm with you, Daryl. Those BP people better make things right. And then there's this beauty. I volunteered for this assignment. Oh, he volunteered for it. So it's kind of like he's doing charity work, except he gets to take home the absurd salary of a senior claims adjuster. Yeah, BP is going to be in the Gulf as long as it takes, as long as it takes to shoot that commercial. If he stays as long as it takes, he may be the last man with a full-time job in the Gulf region. But maybe I'm being too hard on BP and Daryl Willis. Maybe they are doing some good for the people. Let's talk to some of the people from the Gulf Coast. Here's an interview that was done with the mayor of Orange Beach, Alabama, Tony Kennan. Tony Kennan, how do you feel about BP and their new point man, Daryl Willis? Are you a fan? I'm not a fan at all. Uh, I've been in a meeting with Mr. Willis where he made promises and didn't follow through. Didn't even show the courtesy of a return phone call. The... Um, the, the ads are the perfect example of how to lie with statistics. They're not doing anything like they're saying or trying to promote through these ads. I keep saying they could save themselves $50 million just by doing the right thing. If they did that, we would be by far their best promo. We would sing their praises to high heaven if they did the right thing. So shooting a commercial that says you're making everything right, easy. Actually making things right, very hard. And let me just say something for those of you who don't know. The Gulf Coast economy stands on pretty much three pillars, fishing, tourism, and oil. And now that BP has ruined the first two, everyone in the Gulf Coast wants oil to succeed. Do you understand what I'm saying? Tony Kenyon and all the people he represents don't want big oil to fail. They don't want big oil to be the bad guys. That's what Mayor Kenyon meant when he said we would be their best promo. They have a vested interest in seeing BP have a long and happy future in the Gulf. And even these people are saying BP is screwing the pooch royally. The entire Gulf has so much financially riding on this, they are entirely willing to meet BP halfway. Just don't lie and say you're paying out money that you aren't. Just don't lie and claim you're here to listen and help when you aren't. How hard is that? Shockingly hard, it turns out. 
And wow, I mean, I knew that BP was a bunch of liars. They lied and cheated in the past, and I'm sure they're going to lie and cheat in the future. But what I didn't know was what they actually created more opportunities to lie. I mean, wow. They could have just lied about what happened on the rig or how the cleanup effort was going. But no, they went the extra mile and claimed they were going to quickly and efficiently compensate people before they were legally required to do so. That's like your dad telling you he'll never come home drunk again and he's going to buy you a pony. Seriously, dad, clean up your puke. Get a little sobriety time going, and then we'll go look at ponies. But your current lies about the ponies are making things much worse than they need to be. Get this straight, BP. Stop trying to spin this, please. Stop trying to control the story. Stop trying to put a public face on it, because the more you do, the worse it gets. The only thing you could possibly do now to appease the American public is to make a commercial that goes like this. Hey, America, we f***ed up. Man, we f***ed up big time. And we are going to start indiscriminately giving away huge amounts of cash to pretty much anyone who can make a plausible claim that we owe them. And then later this month, Tony Hayward and the entire senior management team of BP will be tied naked in a public place so a mob of angry citizens can rape and murder them. And we're buying everyone in America an iTunes gift card. And then we're going to change our name from British Petroleum to Evil Scumbag Gas Horse. And yes, you can use the bathroom even if you're not a customer. One more time, BP, fire your goddamn public relations department. If for no other reason, then they're not giving you good advice. For instance, when the mayor of, of a city which sits on the body of water you just ruined, when that guy calls, maybe you should return the phone call. Start with things like that. I'll tell you what, the public relations people at BP are so bad, I'm waiting to see them try to seem cool by leaking a Tony Hayward sex tape. And FYI, I don't really want to see a Tony Hayward sex tape. even smart enough to hire Regis Philbin. America loves Regis Philbin. He'd make us all feel like you guys were actually cleaning the oil up and we we're all going to be millionaires. The criminal negligence of BP is matched only by its astounding arrogance. BP has been acting and has been allowed to act by the Obama administration as if it owns our waters that it is soiled so disgustingly. It's been acting and has been allowed to act by the Obama administration as if it's in charge of the U.S. Coast Guard. And it's been acting and has been allowed to act by the Obama administration as if it can do whatever it wants to to try to stop the leak, even using a toxic dispersant that the EPA has grave questions about. When the EPA asked BP to justify why it's not using a less toxic dispersant, the company said that releasing such info would violate its trade secrets. It's worried about preserving trade secrets, while the rest of us are worried about preserving what's left of the Caribbean. Then I saw BP's Tony Hayward on CNN on Monday walking part of the sullied coastline of Louisiana and telling his lackeys to get the media out of here. I'm not sure what country Tony Hayward thinks Louisiana is a part of, but here in the U.S. we've got freedom of the press, and a corporate CEO doesn't have the right to tell the media to get off our public lands or get out of our public waters. Here's a CEO who's done more to destroy our environment than any other person ever, and he still thinks he can boss the U.S. government around and the U.S. media around. Maybe that's how big oil usually works, and that's a scandal too, but it won't fly now. 
I love hearing from listeners who write in to tell me about how this show positively impacts their lives. It reinforces the idea that what I'm doing really may be making a little bit of a difference. What I love even more is that it's the support of the listeners themselves which makes this show possible. If you appreciate the service this show provides, you can make individual donations or become a member and donate $5 a month or even save a couple of bucks by paying for a year in advance. Member support gives me the time it takes to produce 10 shows per month, and in return, members receive access to bonus audio and video content through members-only raw feeds. For details or to sign up, visit the membership tab at bestofleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. ecologist who wants Americans to value our oceans. Right now, I'd say we value them at about $2.99 a gallon. Please welcome Dr. Carl Safina. <laughs> Dr. Carl, thanks so much for coming on. All right, sir. Is there you, any oil in this water? Excuse me? Is there any oil in this water? Let's find out. Now, sir, you, you are the co-founder and the president of the Blue Ocean Institute. What, what do you hope to do with the Blue Ocean? <laughs> well, we hope to let people appreciate it, and uh, I think we are not going to run out of work anytime soon. Don't you think, and I, I, I am mad as hell at BP. I'm mad as hell at the English. I just got furious at the Marshall Islands. I saw that. Do you know those people, by the way, the Marshall Islands people? I've met people? a few of them. You met yeah. them? The yeah. bad people, yeah, you right? you gotta watch out for them. Very bad people. <laughs> but can I look at a silver lining here? We appreciate the Gulf of Mexico in ways we didn't before. Don't yes. it always seem to go? You don't know what you got till, till it's, it's gone. gone. Yes. We have literally paved paradise. Yeah, well, we've tarred paradise, and it's, we've sort of tarmacked paradise at this point. What, what, uh, have you been down to the Gulf? Yes. What'd you see? Oil to the far horizons when you're in a plane. Mm-hmm. Oil to the far horizons when you're in a boat. Mm-hmm. Oil as far as you can see when you're on many of the beaches. And also you see what happens to people and wildlife and restaurants. How much of the Gulf is, like, I'm from South Carolina, and fishermen is huge there. Fishing is huge there. How much of the Gulf is shut down from, like, shelling, shrimping, and fishing? About a third right now is completely closed. People are out of work and may never get back to work. Yeah, that's right. That's what happens when we let... Uh, corporations call the shots because we don't insist that our government is our watchdog. Well, no, listen, I'm with Sarah Palin on this one. She says that the only reason we're drilling deep is that we couldn't drill in Anwar, and it's really you environmentalists' fault that we had to drill deep in the ocean. I mean, isn't, don't you bear almost all of the blame? I, I, would, I, would, I would say, I would say, that, I, did that shock you? Did that I would shock say you? I bear, that you're nailed um, that hard? Most of the blame, yes, mm-hmm. yes. What is the length of the impact in the Gulf, do you think, for this? Well, I think that it'll be years for a lot of people. And it'll be years for, for a lot of the marshes and, and the beaches and the real estate values. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong about that. What about, like, I, I'm, I'm from South Carolina. I hear all about this loop current right. that'll, that'll grab this oil and swing it up the East Coast and dump the oil on, on my beaches down in South Carolina. Yeah, it's not all about you. <laughs> no, but right, right now it kind of is. Now, what... What are the odds that that's going to happen, that's going to go up the East Coast as well? Because because right now, no offense, no offense to the Gulf Coast, because I believe in the Gulf Coast, I'm mad, I want to help those people down there. But we, as Americans in general, tend to go, oh yeah, the Gulf Coast, terrible things happened there. Because Katrina happened down there, right? Ah, yes, but this is very different, because Katrina came and went, Katrina brought wind and water, and when it stopped, the wind and water went away. This is going to bring something that will stay. So this is not really like Katrina. This is really Big Oil, Big Oil's Chernobyl. It's Big Oil's Chernobyl, then, then what will it do to Big Oil? I mean, it sounds like, are they going to be damaged by this? Because listen, I, once again, I'm mad at BP, I'm mad at the English, I, but I don't think we should go overboard with regulation. 
Well, isn't, you know, isn't the response here just like, let's be more careful next time and obviously hold people's feet to the fire if something does go wrong and nail them for some cash? I'm all for yeah, that, right. but not regulation. Well, right? that is called, what you want is called regulation. And you know, like right now. If the, something goes wrong, the, but unless something goes right wrong, now, why do Right now, something goes so? wrong, the companies are liable for $750 million, but there's no limit to how much damage they can cause, right? So isn't that the government backwards? Isn't that the government protecting? corporate greed instead of the public interest. But that's, so the free, we have that's, this, that's the free market. Listen, if people don't want to buy oil anymore, they don't have to. It's not the free market. It's, the, it's a market distorted by subsidies because we have the best government that money can buy. We have been asleep at the switch while government has, corporations have bought government out from under us and we get no oversight. We get the regulators partying and smoking weed and having sex with the oil people that they're supposed to be regulating. And their contract, part, the their, their contracts. Why says, was I never invited to one of those parties? What do you well, mean? Because you don't want a job in the oil industry. But if you did, that's what you would be doing. What, who, who, who was it? Was it the Interior Department? Who, who was having sex with whom It's the, the, the Minerals Management Service because these people, uh, we don't pay them enough. They want to get paid more by working for the oil industry. So they, they like the cozy relationships because the government hasn't been the watchdog for the public interest that it needs to be. For the last 30 years, we've had this spirit of deregulation. We think government is a bad thing. At least with the police, we still understand that the police are here to protect us from the bad guys. But with the rest of government, we seem to have forgotten that the government is here to protect us from the bad guys. The body likes soft serve, dripping down in the June sun. I tried to shoot a thought, but the thought sunk. Nothing to do but scratch words in the dirt and watch the water roll down. Phantom kisses buzzing like the insects. Beads of sweat dripping down on the rent shack. My candy land melted down to syrup while I watch the water roll down. Today's story is called Fracking, Oil Sands and Deep Water Drilling The Dangerous New Era of Extreme Energy and it's written by Daniel Gross. The ongoing debacle in the Gulf of Mexico is a sign of many things. The incompetence of BP, poor oversight, and an industry that places too much emphasis on production technology and too little on safety technology. But it also highlights a larger truth. We've entered an age in which the production of energy, especially from fossil fuels, demands ever more expensive environmental trade-offs. We've entered what Michael Clare, professor at Hampshire College, calls the era of extreme energy. Consider how oil production in the United States has evolved. In Texas in 1901, wildcatters didn't have to work very hard to tap into the great Beaumont gusher. The oil was essentially at the surface, all but seeping out of the Earth's crust. When the land-based oil was exhausted, American prospectors went to sea. And when the shallow water oil was exhausted, they went farther out. In 1985, only 21 million barrels, or 6% of the oil produced in the Gulf of Mexico, came from wells drilled in water more than 1,000 feet deep. In 2009, such wells produced 456 million barrels, or 80% of total Gulf production. Today, deep-water Gulf wells account for about one-quarter of the oil the United States sucks from the Earth. The webcams broadcasting images from the spill provide a real-time measure of the environmental cost of this effort. The Gulf of Mexico isn't the only place where such so-called tough oil is to be found in North America. The environmental hazards of drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge are so obvious that even the Bush-era Congress and White House wouldn't go there. Analysts have enthused about the rapid development of the Alberta tar sands in Canada, friendly, nearby, democratic, non-terrorist-promoting Canada. An Alberta government website notes that the oil sands are the second-largest source of oil in the world after Saudi Arabia. The reserves there, 171.8 billion barrels, amount to 13% of the global total, and are about what Iraq and Russia combined have. But the gunk in the tar sands isn't really oil. 
It's bitumen, and it has to be ripped out of the earth or pushed to the surface in a process that itself consumes a lot of water and natural gas. Producing a barrel of oil from tar sands creates more than twice as many emissions than old-school oil drilling. Natural gas is supposed to be an easy form of energy. It burns more cleanly than petroleum, and the United States has vast supplies. In recent years, discoveries of reserves locked in shale rock in Texas, called the Barnett Shale, and in the Appalachians, known as the Marcellus Shale, have spurred a boom. But shale gas is also tough energy. The gas is produced by fracking, that is, fracturing the rock with water and chemical solvents to loosen up the gas molecules. The environmental risk: the water mixed with solvents could filter into underground aquifers. Inconveniently, the Marcellus Shale overlaps with the watershed of the New York City region. And then there's the matter of earthquakes. Last year, experts in Texas grew concerned when rare seismic activity was detected in areas where natural gas drillers had been fracking. Even the cleanest sources come with trade-offs. The wind turbine farm off of Cape Cod aroused the ire of waterfront homeowners, whose views would be marred by giant propellers in the distance, but also by environmentalists concerned about its potential impact on wildlife. Proposals to put huge solar arrays in the Mojave Desert have provoked similar green concerns. Thus far, we've deemed these risks: oil spills, more emissions, polluted water, the odd earthquake. To be worthwhile, in large measure, because of the laws of supply and demand, as the price of energy keeps drifting higher, we're going to do more and more dubious things," says Joseph Rom, an assistant energy secretary in the Clinton administration, and editor of the influential Climate Progress blog. But the response to the age of tough oil shouldn't be engineering feats that allow us to drill deeper or to liberate hydrocarbons from rocks. Rather, we should apply our collective engineering smarts to figuring out ways to use less energy. If we want to avoid extreme energy, we need extreme efficiency. Documentary film is HBO's Gasland. Whoa, Jesus Christ! <laughs> That's the best I've got. <laughs> I smell hair. <laughs> oh damn! Please welcome Josh Fox. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Explain to me what just happened in 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 that fellow's kitchen. Well, what just happened was an explosion of natural gas. Obviously, natural gas is migrating into his water supply, which is something that I heard about in a number of different places in states: Pennsylvania, Colorado, Wyoming, Texas. Sort of urban myth. They've been sort of spreading like, "Oh, there's some people they can turn on their thing and blow it up," but he he can do it. Yeah, it's right. It's not an urban myth. It's a consequence. Rural myth. I'm sorry. Right. Well, it's it's a consequence of this new kind of gas drilling, which is called hydraulic fracturing, where they inject this enormous amounts of water, two to seven million gallons of water. Per well, and at such pressure that it actually fractures the rock underneath the ground, and they extract the gas. One of the things that's happening is people are suddenly being able to light their water on fire everywhere this process goes. Now, this is the the reason why this is is they have discovered, I guess, these large deposits of it under shale, 
and they have offered people money to do it like in their backyards, right. which is why it's happening. Yeah. It, it's not that they're doing it by a reservoir. These are individual wells. No, it's actually locked inside the shale. And I was offered one of these gas leases. That's why I uh, started making this film. It's an enormous area of the country. We're talking about 50% right. of New York how State, much, how much, 65% how, of Pennsylvania. How much, would they, how, how much would they give you? Uh, well, they offered me $100,000 for 19.5 acres. Um, the, the signing bonus was $4,750. Signing bonus? What yeah. are you, a draftee? And then no, well, but see, this is what's happening all across America. We're in the biggest natural gas drilling boom in history. Um, and you've, you've probably heard a lot about it. You have T. Boone Pickens out there. Uh, That's right. Shilling for natural well, gas. Well, it's, it's natural gas. So it's, it's actually it's, the healthy gas. Right. They, they actually sell it in Whole Foods. Well, but it's, the, so, <laughs> it's so tasty, this gas. Right. Well, the way they're doing this, though, it, it, the, the water is not the only story. There are 596 different chemicals that they use in this process. And most of that fluid, when they do the hydraulic fracturing, is actually left in the ground. So this toxic material is actually turning up in people's water wells uh, that, that we saw when right. we were making the film. And I, I got this gas lease. Actually, my dad got it. He said, what is this? And I said, I don't know. And I started looking at it. And the narrative was very different. The natural gas industry was telling me, you know, this is just a fire hydrant in the middle of a field. There's no environmental damage. Don't worry about it. And then the environmentalists in my area were going completely crazy. And this is sweeping across New York State, Pennsylvania. It's in 34 states. So, so you're suggesting that the energy industry has created a false impression of safety while energy regulators have not done uh, uh, as superb a job. Imagine if something like that happened, God forbid, in the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, well, I think... Because well, then you'd really have yourselves a, a real mess. Your yard, quite frankly, I could give a yeah. fuck. But the well, Gulf of Mexico... Let me tell you something, though. Please. My backyard is part of the Upper Delaware River, which Son is part of, of an what? interconnected water system that provides water to 17, uh, 16, uh, about 15.6 million people. That includes New York City. Damn the ties so they're that actually, bind. Yeah. <laughs> they're actually leasing uh, the watershed for New York City for this kind of drilling. Um, and that's uh, very, very serious. This has they, been a they, debate for two years. This is, but here's my, okay, so now my brain is starting to spin and they got 596 chemicals. The, the industry itself has put out, they put out uh, uh, literally to debunk your film. Right. It, this is, it's, it's from Energy In Depth. Energy In Depth, yeah. Energy In Depth dot org. It says when you say there's 596 chemicals, they say 12. Right. Now that is a discrepancy of over 8,000. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, they, they. Wait. <laughs> Energy in Depth, just to be clear, Energy in Depth is a PR firm that was created by the American Petroleum, Petroleum Institute. Right. And they have issued this sort of smear document. Um, right. And it's. Is that it's, incorrect? Is it it's really is much in, incorrect? Yeah. They, anyway. they say deregulation. Uh, that that fracking, fracking See, was never is, but under. This is amazing to me, right? Yes. And this data that they right send now, it to me. We right? have reports of this water contamination all over the country. And if you right. watch the film Gasland, you'll yes. see it. No, that I... With a straight face, yes. that they can come out and say, this isn't our problem. This isn't what we're doing. When in fact, this, there's evidence of these chemicals turning up in people's water wells. You've got flammable water all over the place. And yet they're, they're smearing the film. And I can go on, on TV and talk about it. You're, but the people you're actually right, now, right now. Right now. Right? You can tell them right now. But, but what I'm saying, though, is that, that right. the people all across the country, now I know how they feel, because this is the individual citizens who've had this happen to them. There's this enormous sense of betrayal. They, le they leave, sure and then all of a sudden, their water is contaminated, right. and their houses are, are worthless, and they go complain to the industry, and this is the kind of treatment that but they this get. Is, it's it not feels us. like this is the rhythm that we've gotten to in this country. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a, a reporter, a muckraker, or a filmmaker goes in and uh, uh, bunks. Then the industry comes in and debunks, and then the regulators come in and uh, say, we did our part. Meanwhile, there's all these people whose pets are losing their hair right. that uh, are, are suffering, and they have nowhere to turn and no one to trust. And is this just, are we expecting too much that sucking something out of the earth is going to be a harmless process. Are they promising something that does not exist? Well, clearly, th these are the fuels of the 20th century, and we need the f energy of the 21st century, which would be renewable energy. And the regulators, speaking of the regulators, the natural gas drilling industry is exempt from the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Clean Water Act, the right. Clean Air Act, the Superfund Law. Now, they law. say they were never under those auspices. They say in this document that they were never under the Safe uh, uh, Water Drinking Act, that they were always regulated by the states and that the states have very strict regulations on them. Well, but this is a very easy thing to look up. I mean, it was part of the 2005 energy bill. It's called the Halliburton Loophole. It was a project. It's literally called the Halliburton Loophole? It's not in the bill, but it's referred to as the Halliburton Loophole. That sounds loophole. like the worst sex position ever. <laughs> the Halliburton you know, Loophole. I, um, 
Yeah, in 2005, the United States Congress uh, exempted the, the hydraulic fracturing specifically, mm -hmm. and this was uh, a baby of Dick Cheney's Energy Task Force. But uh, how much from, of the Senate voted for? I mean, it was it got uh, it was three quarters of the Senate, 74 to 20, including Obama. Yeah. So true. who are we to? Where do we turn at some point? Well, I, I think that at that time, the, nobody really understood what this meant. This is a process right. that's relatively new at this pressure. And what, what I'm seeing, what I saw in my travels across the country, and I went to 25 different states, and the film is in about 10 different states, right. um, was this problem was rampant everywhere I went. It was just the same suffering. issue. Yeah, the same thing. It's, uh, and it's not just rural areas. I mean, you have yeah. uh, 15,000 gas wells in Fort Worth. We, we need help, uh, uh, I think, bunking, debunking, having like a central authority, some type of, uh, if only we had like a media that could like be on 24 hours a day, <laughs> like seven days a week, that really had the time to look into this and we might, you know, really get some, you know what I mean? But yeah. well, if people are interested in it, they can watch Gasland. No, Gasland is, is a great thing. But yeah. then, and throughout also, the week, it's also on demand. Yeah. Is that true? I think so. Yeah. And by the way, check out uh, Gasland on HBO and turn to Cinemax. They're running Assland at the same time. It's tough competition. It is tough competition. Josh, thank you so much thank for coming by. Appreciate it. Entire oil rig searches for a lost pizza cutter. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. The crew of an oil rig off the California coast was thrown into chaos today following the mysterious disappearance of the drilling platform's only pizza cutter. Crew chief Mike Dawson says he and his men will continue the search for the essential kitchen implement, even if it means a temporary shutdown of oil production. We can't eat our pizza whole. This indispensable tool must be found. At the time of this report, frustration and rage over the misplaced KitchenAid pizza wheel have resulted in an outbreak of looting and Carson, leaving 14 workers missing or dead. Doyle Redland for the Judge Martin Feldman uh, ruled that uh, Obama's uh, drilling moratorium could not stand and that it was, in his words, uh, heavy-handed and rather overbearing. Uh, it has had, quote, an immeasurable effect on the industry, the local economy, and the U.S. energy supply, and that it is capricious and that it, he's going to lift it immediately. Uh, first, he said he was going to lift it. Today, the news is... Uh, when they asked him, hey, can you hold your decision until we appeal it? He said, no, no, you can start drilling right away, right now, uh, and the appeal can overturn it, but in the meanwhile, you can keep on drilling without having made sure that we've taken new safety precautions. Thank you, Judge Martin Feldman. So when you look into Judge Feldman's uh, situation, uh, well, I'm sure he's not biased by anything, and uh, he's just, this is his uh, honest opinion on this. Huh. Well, well, you look at that. It turns out Judge Feldman is invested in eight different petroleum companies or funds that invest in them. But I'm sure he doesn't have any stock uh, or any financial interest in any companies that are related to this spill, right? Oh, except Transocean, Halliburton, and two of BP's largest U.S. private shareholders, BlackRock and J.P. Morgan Chase. So it's almost impossible for Judge Feldman to be more invested in this decision financially, his own, you know, assets on the line. I mean, you can't get any more invested than Feldman is. 
Did he recuse himself from the case? Say, well, look, obviously my money's tied up in this. Not only the this particular spill, but I, he's also got money in companies that might do further drilling, right? So, conflict of interest, just the giant red flags, here it is! Conflict of interest! And Feldman's like, I don't give a rat's ass. Conflict of interest, my ass. Keep drilling, man! I need to make money! I mean, did I say me? Oh, I mean, uh, this has affected the energy supply of the country too much. It's a, uh, it's a damn shame, and I'm just trying to look out for the country. By the way, um, you know, he said it, all the Republicans are saying it. I really need you to be clear on this. This doesn't have anything to do with our energy supply. I don't know if you know this. BP is a company that used to be called British Petroleum. It's a British company. It's not an American company. So, well, wait a minute, that's our oil from the Gulf of Mexico. It ain't our oil. Once they take it out, it's their oil. And you know where they can sell? Well, of course, they can only sell it in the U.S. No? Oh, who knew? They can sell it in China. They can sell it in the Middle East. They can sell it in Europe. They can sell it anywhere they like. It's not our oil. We're giving them the oil. Now, we get certain royalties, etc., from it. But it, this whole idea, like another stat was like, this is 31% of the oil reserves in the United States. There are no, what do you mean oil reserves? It's not our oil. It's the multinational corporation's oil. Everybody gets this wrong. I wrote about this two years ago. And then I was thinking, am I the one that took the crazy pill? I mean... This is how it works, right? You get they get the oil and they can sell it to anyone they like. They don't have to sell it in the U.S. So it doesn't go to some vault that's United States oil. No. And Rachel Maddow did another uh, great piece on television the other day about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. We're right. They're wrong. So and that's what drives me crazy about the media. I mean, you just all repeat it like, oh well, you know, uh, it's very important for domestic production, and that would be our, and we could be energy independent, and we won't need any of that Middle East oil if BP keeps taking the oil in from the Gulf of Mexico and selling it anywhere they like. That doesn't make any sense, and this judge is making decisions based on it, and the media reports it like it's true when it's not even remotely true. So, you know, now they got to appeal it, they, and we'll see if, how long that appeals process takes. Meanwhile, they're going to start doing more drilling. We're not, and Feldman's like, what, what, what? What leads you to believe that things aren't safe anymore? He's like, look, if a plane crashes, does that mean we stop all the planes? If a car crashes, does that mean we stop everybody from driving? <laughs> no, you schmuck. It looks like if you drill beyond 500 feet, that a lot of the companies, because of the evidence that we have gathered, are not taking the proper precautions. So let's figure out, before we do more drilling, what the proper precautions are. Then we can start drilling again if you're so obsessed with drilling and making money off it. Okay? This isn't about stopping it. It's just about making sure you have the right safety regulations, which two-thirds of Americans agree with. Just reading news about the oil spill is so depressing. The front page is a picture of an oily pelican. The business section tracks the loss of Gulf jobs. It's even affected the horoscopes. I am so worried about Pisces. <laughs> and folks, television news is the worst. A baby dolphin covered in oil was found on a sandbar off Pensacola Beach. It later died. After recording that, my TiVo recommended that I might also enjoy gouging my eyes out. <laughs> but there's finally some good news, folks. Just listen to this article. Much of the region's businesses, particularly the hotels, have been prospering because so many people have come here from BP and other oil emergency response teams. See? 
The coral reefs may be destroyed, but the Travelodge ecosystem has never been more vibrant. <laughs> and folks, you'll never guess where this feel-good story came from, unless you guess BP. <laughs> Specifically, Planet BP, the company's in-house online magazine. For kids, they have a hidden picture page where you have to find the wildlife. <laughs> it's written... I think I saw a turtle. I think I found the turtle. It's written by guys like Tom Seslar, who identifies himself as a BP reporter. He brings you all the news that's fit to underestimate by 50,000 barrels. For instance, Tom found a family that may lose their seafood restaurant, but who say there's no reason to hate BP. The oil spill was an accident just like they could accidentally spit into the food when the BP executives eat there. <laughs> and there's another intrepid reporter who's telling it like it is more pleasant to imagine. <laughs> Paula Colmar, who described watching workers skim crude oil off the surface of the dying sea as a, quote, spectacular ballet at sea. I assume dead Swan Lake. <laughs> Best of all, best of all, folks, the Smile Squad over at BP has started their own YouTube channel. Jimmy, let's disperse a little sunshine. There were a number of animals that were oiled, um, some of them seemingly heavily, but as you approach, they're still completely capable of flying. So here we're looking at birds that are still very vigorous. The ingestion of the oil and the eventual effects of that will, will make them more sluggish and make them more capturable. See? Covering those birds with oil makes them easier to capture so we can clean off all that oil. It's called the circle of life. So, no, 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 no. Don't, don't pity me. So, for making these stories that are made to feel like the news to make me feel like I feel better, thank you, BP. Thanks for listening, everyone. So today, I, I really only have one thing I wanted to talk about because it occurred to me that it's been months and months since I bragged about some of the cool features of the uh, the iPhone iPod Touch uh, best of left application. And the first thing I want to say is that uh, the the app costs two bucks, and uh, you know, so you buy it, you have it forever, never costs you any more money. You don't have to be signed up for a recurring subscription of any kind to to use all the features and um, you know, and to, and to get the bonus content, you get one uh, one bonus clip with every episode that comes out, and so so I'm saying that to to say that like it's not a huge money maker. That's not really the point of it, and I'm talking about it now just because I think that it's a, a for for some people it's a really good way to get the show, and uh, so I just like to put it out there as uh, as something that if it fits your lifestyle then I would love for you to use it so that you have easier access to the show so basically uh, it, it appeals to a couple of different uh, sets of people in particular you know some people like it for whatever reason they may like it but uh, primarily is it is wonderful for people who like the show who a either uh, do not often sync their device whether you know iPhone iPod Touch, iPad, it works on all those. If you don't sync your device with your computer all that often, then uh, it's slightly more difficult to get a podcast onto your device to listen to. And, and so the application, it puts at, like every show that's in the archives, every show that's in the podcast feed uh, can be accessed through the application and either streamed directly or downloaded right there, right there in the application. So, um, so if you don't sync with your computer all that often, then that could be great for you. And then also for anyone who has uh, kind of limited space on, on your um, on your device, uh, as I just said, you can stream the show directly from the internet without actually having to download it. And so that could work for you as well. Originally, that's how 
it worked entirely. You know, you, you got to stream the show uh, direct to your device, but you had to be connected to the internet. Uh, back in December, they, they put out a big update for it, which actually allowed you to, uh, to download the show directly through the application, which just made it really easy to keep track. And, you know, every, uh, every time the show updates with a new episode, it's instantly available in the application. So that's great. And, and then you can download it, which means you don't have to be connected to the internet in order to listen to it. So there you go. All that stuff's great. If that particular scenario fits your lifestyle, maybe, uh, maybe that's for you. I just thought I should mention it. And of course, all that's in addition to the fact that you get a little bit of extra content with each show, which is just fun in and of itself. So of course, that's linked on the website. It's all, and you can find it in the iTunes store, however you want to do it. Now, I just want to thank a couple of members who make the show possible. Of course, uh, Aaron C. signed up for a monthly membership way back in uh, in January, on January 25th, and has stuck with the show ever since then. So thank you very much, Aaron. And Mark S. signed up on May 13th and uh, signed up for a year membership. So huge thanks to Mark and Aaron and all the members who make the show possible. Memberships actually cost only about 50 cents an episode or less. So if you like the show, you think it provides a great service and uh, and 50 cents an episode within your budget and you think it's worth your time, uh, I'd really appreciate you signing up. That's literally what makes it possible. So details on all that, of course, is linked up in the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. So that's going to do it for today. Please continue to spread the word about the show, telling all your friends about it. it makes a huge difference. It really does. So I appreciate that. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining us on Twitter and Facebook. For details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in every episode, is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought lines are black and white.